Welcome to this. No, no, no. I got I got to go first. Uh, we got to do the live. Rep- <laughs> 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 it happened so long ago in the conversation. Yeah, I right. just completely forgot. So go ahead. You do your thing. Thanks for tuning into House Things, a podcast and radio show from the David A. Howe Public Library, recorded right here in Wellsville, New York. I'm Nick Gunning, and today I'm joined by my old friend and my co-host on this Andorian life, Stephen Rudd. Steve, welcome back. Heidi ho but, <laughs> what, a, what an interesting <laughs> choice, right out of the gate. Yeah, start, I was going to go with, with like, hoy hoy or something, but... That would have been know. okay, too. Last yeah. time Steve was here, we were talking Star Trek, and now... He's yes. back because we're going to be looking at author and illustrator Zach Gialongo, whose mm-hmm. work that corresponds with us would be Star Wars Ewoks Shadows of Endor. That so, is correct. I mean, I can't talk about an Ewok book without my friend Steve. So That's true. Yes. So you had to come back. You had to come back. <laughs> uh, before we get to the Ewok of it all, let's crack open our books and see where our bookmarks are at. Steve, what have you been reading lately? I have been reading Rainbow Six. Oh uh, um, yes, yeah. The the big I, it was it was one of those. It was in a section of free books. Okay. And I saw it and I thought, you know what? I was really into that Nintendo sixty four. Yeah. Game. Oh yeah. And I thought I gotta I gotta read it right because we we're playing these levels and I have no idea what's going on because I didn't care about the story. Yeah. I, I don't even really think there was much story. It was just written. Right, mm-hmm. they didn't have cutscenes mm-hmm. like they do now. Yep. So you had to read the files, and I wasn't about that. So I'm reading the book, and it's it's not what I was expecting, but yeah. it's it, it's all right. I, you know, it's it's all right. Rainbow Six is one of the two Tom Clancy books that I've actually like read in its entirety. Like with all Clancy books, it's pretty chunky. You know, that's the thing. Yes. You could you could pare it down a lot and not lose much in story. But I think for people who are just really into like the military and the specifics of it all. You know, right. it's just a feast for that. Is this your what? What is your history with Clancy? Have you read other stuff? This is this is my first Clancy book. Okay. I'm a I'm a big Clive Cussler guy. I know that. Uh, yeah. So, oh yeah. And it's good. Like it's holding me. I think he does well at kind of the intense situations. Yeah. And then dialing back, and then making sense of them, and then kind of diving into another intense situation. But I'm I'm already, and I don't know if this is. This is me just being picky, but already I feel like there's a little bit of repetition, and I'm only yeah. like I, I think I told you it's about halfway through the the book. I, I'm really about a quarter of the way through the book. Okay, and already I feel like eh, this is yeah repetitive. You know, the first Clancy book I ever read was The Hunt for Red October, and ah. mm-hmm. that I mean it's still it's still a big book, but it's a little bit more lean than Rainbow Six. Rainbow Six is a tome. I mean that's a brick of a book. Uh, but I yeah. did I did quite like Hunt for Red October. I always want to like Tom Clancy more than I actually do. Like Yes, I think, you know, <laughs> I think the same thing. Like, yeah. When I hear the broad strokes of the story and Jack Ryan and all that stuff, I'm like, yeah. And then I sit down to read the book and I'm like, wow, 600 more pages. Okay. <laughs> well, you, oh, okay. Read, you read the two books. I think Rainbow Six is book two for John Clark. I think you're right. Yeah. And Rent Hunt for Red October is book one for Jack Ryan. So yeah. they are two different characters. And I yeah. am curious, like, they seem to be kind of similar characters. Yeah. Like, John Clark is, like, formally, you know, kind of military person. Now he's, like, a suit. Yeah. Where 
where Jack Ryan is like, I'm just an analyst. He's right. a suit kind of thrown into Yeah, which I think is so cool. Fold, I think know? that's such a good yeah. lens for it. It's also why I feel like of, of all the... And I haven't seen the... Um, the John Krasinski uh, Amazon show. But mm. from all the other Jack Ryans, I feel like Alec Baldwin does it the best because I buy him the most as like, yeah, what you said, just a suit who's suddenly like, I guess yeah. I'm a spy now. I, it, <laughs> yeah. He just was in the wrong place at the yeah. wrong time or knew the right things, yeah. you know, at the wrong time. Right. And then is just now in it and he's a, t- he's a person of interest. Right. So he just kind of has to be that person. Okay. So he's forced into it, yeah. All right, Rainbow Six. I, I like it. That's pretty good. You know, I never, I never watched the uh, Jack. That was that was Amazon Prime, right? It's, I think it's still going. Yeah, the Jack Ryan. Oh wow, I didn't know it was still going. I, yeah. I was, I was interested in the whole Reacher thing. I thought that. Was yeah, cool. yeah, that was it was Lee Child, good. Lee Child's. Yeah, Reacher Lee books, Child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Have you ever read any David Weber, like Honor Harrington? No, I do recognize that author's name. I feel like I've seen that on the shelf. I feel like you would really enjoy these books. Okay. Like the first Honor Harrington book is called On Basilisk Station, and it's just so good. I read, okay. uh, next time uh, we're going to be doing sort of a cat-themed episode, and a big part of the David Weber series, Honor, the Honor Harrington series, are these these tree cats that they, like the, the people from this one planet, bond with these like sort of sentient cats, and that's just a big part right. of the lore. So I read one of his called A Beautiful Friendship, which is essentially a prequel about how that first happened. And it was just okay. I don't know. Mm. Sometimes I feel like I doubt, because it's more of a young adult uh, audience, you know what right. I mean? Sometimes I think making that jump is maybe harder than authors expect it to be. And right. so it doesn't always land as like a teen <clears throat> book, and I think it, it suffers because of that a little bit. Yeah, I think there's also that expectation that any offshoot or supplementary writings or materials or a show is going to be good when it's like, you know, it, maybe it is just supplementary. Yeah. You know, maybe to just explain some small thing. I mean, like, look at the movie Rogue One. Yeah. It literally just explained one thing. Take a we tiny little a thing. Two, yeah, we have a two and a half hour movie explaining just hey, how they got the and, Death Star plans. And we've got a, a spinoff prequel TV show coming out. Don't forget. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So there, <laughs> there you, you go. go. Yep. Just to explain one thing, which, right. you know, all right, take it or leave it. But you do risk kind of winning or losing your fan base when you do kind of make an offshoot thing True. like that, yeah. right? And it's like, oh, okay, well, I didn't really well, like it because, well, it wasn't it wasn't part of the main, right. the main core of the story, right? And I so think, that's too, especially for something like Star Wars, look at us bringing it to Star Wars already. I know, sorry, guys, right. that's my fault. <laughs> no, but, but I think there's some danger in that when you sort of have an idea in your head of what happened and then you see it play out and you're like, well, that's not what I thought at all. Yeah. You know, like that... You, you're kind of fighting your own idealized expectations for that kind of thing. So yeah, it's a, you it's really a are. dangerous journey. I finished one called Act Like You Got Some Sense by Jamie Foxx. And audiobook read by Jamie Foxx. This was what I was listening to on my oh, commute. I bet that was cool. It was really good. Uh, and, it, I mean, his delivery of it was what really sold it. That was like yeah. my commute. I was listening to that the whole way. So <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Currently reading one called Star Trek, A Contest of Principles. This mm-hmm. is an original series book, relatively new. We have it here in the library collection. It's good so far. It's interesting. I like the way it's written. And our book club is reading one called Death by Dumplings by Vivian Chen. Uh, it's uh, it's a cozy mystery. We have a cozy mystery book club every month. Uh, the third Tuesday of the month, 1030 in the morning, we get coffee and pastries and we read 
a cheesy mystery. You know what I mean? Like they're designed yeah. to be like a goofy, quick read. So I'm not too deep into this, but I'm having a good time so far. Yeah. Oh, and I, I forgot to mention the uh, the one that I know Amanda would like. Yes. The, the one that I had just finished. The, the book I had just finished before Rainbow Six was okay. A Hobbit, A Wardrobe, and A Great War. Yeah. With the subheading of how J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis rediscovered faith, friendship, and heroism in the cataclysm of 1914 to 1918. Okay. So it talks about like how World War One and their part in it kind of shaped their views of evil and destruction yeah. and suffering and heroism and all these things and how their characters are based on that, like kind of what they've seen and uh, what they what they saw basically in World War One. It's it's actually crazy too because in the book you learn that J.R.R. Tolkien got trench he, he, what, trench fever or something like that. Oh wow! And and then the next day his whole like platoon, his whole like band of of guys were killed. Oh wow! All of them. They were completely massacred. And it's just like yo, we missed. <laughs> We almost missed having the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that's you crazy. You know, Cimmerillion, Hobbit, all this stuff. We almost missed it. And then same, similar thing with C.S. Lewis, that C.S. Lewis was part of like a code, you know, like before radios. Breakers? Okay. He, he was the flagman. Like oh, they would, oh, okay. They, yeah, yeah. So they like did, you know, they did the signaling and coding and stuff like that. And his, like he, he had gotten wounded. He had gotten shrapnel, you know, in his chest. So he got pulled off. And then they sent his entire like brigade in, and they all got massacred as well. Like yeah. uh, you know, a month after he was still in in the hospital. Wow. So it's just like, man, like both of them, we just we barely almost didn't get any of their work. That's so. that's really crazy. Yeah, that's definitely crazy. Great yes. book. I wasn't expecting that. That's in and uh, <laughs> so it's just nonfiction, sort of a historical look at these yes like, pivotal moments in their lives. That sounds really good. Yeah, Steve's, mm -hmm. uh, Steve mentioned Amanda Smith. Amanda, who's on staff here at the library, is my go-to uh, for Star Wars. She's done a lot of the Star Wars Day episodes with us on the podcast. Mm -hmm. She was going to join us today, but she has a stomach bug, and so she can't, which is too bad because I heard some of her takes on uh, the Ewok book, and it was funny. <laughs> but yes, I mean, she's a big Tolkien fan, and she definitely would have been right, yeah. with, right with you on that. Are you watching anything good at the moment? I not really. <laughs> well, yes, I am actually. Oh, what I, a, I shouldn't say what a because twist I immediately ending. thought of Rick and Morty. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> which is like, which is great, but it's not good. I see. Okay. Um, uh, no, I am. I'm in the middle of Raised by Wolves, and I don't. I don't right. Yeah. I, have you ever seen that? Is that the uh, that's um, that's HBO Max? That's a Ridley it's Scott HBO one. Ma okay. Oh, it's Ridley Scott and like. I'm realizing that – so this latest episode, I'm not going to give anything away. Yeah. but this, It's so funny because Malik was on with me last time, and he was also talking about this show. Yeah, so, it's good. Okay. It, I mean, I guess I got to watch becoming, it. I, I am afraid – I'm afraid it's becoming, like, lost. Oh, Where, no. like, they keep – you know, like opening the box and it's some yeah. crazy thing. And then they, the next episode, they open a box. Oh, boy. Nothing is ever explained. So mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, man, every episode, they haven't really like <laughs> – there's like one thing that they kind of explain. Okay. Without explaining it, they just kind of depicted it and you're you're supposed to just kind of get it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Interesting. I like that. But then there's all – there's like <laughs> there's like a hundred other things that they've – you know, done that yeah. don't make any sense, and Ugh. it's it's gonna take a while. Like, yeah. I mean, like that was episode five, and I think there's probably ten episodes 
or there's eight, eight. Yeah, that was that like eight kind or ten of thing. If you don't have the ending written down somewhere, don't yep. come at me with that kind of nonsense. You I'm got, afraid you gotta they know. don't. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. And so Ridley, Scott, but Ridley Scott has like a history of kind of like making these movies, like Prometheus, right? Prometheus, yeah. they almost had it. It was a very engaging movie until the last thirty minutes, and it was just like, tear it up. Uh. Who cares? blow it all up doesn't matter you're right you know like and so uh, i just that that really bothered me mm. plus he lied in his interview he the the person interviewing was like oh is this like a prequel to alien movies and he's like it's not a prequel to the alien movies and then and i'm that, watching it and i go wait this, this is a prequel, this to, the is a prequel saw, to the alien movies yeah this is a prequel yeah yeah so i was like he just lied he just didn't want to admit it or something like that you have know? you seen any of yellowstone that series everybody's going bananas for I I have not yet, but okay. everyone does tell me I need to watch it because I I like Longmire. Okay. I loved Longmire, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're all like, "Oh, if you like that, you need to see Yellowstone." So, so I haven't seen a frame of Yellowstone, but I've been watching 1883, which is the prequel that's on Paramount Plus. Oh, okay. And I'm I so I don't really even know how it connects to Yellowstone, but right. you know I'm about halfway through the first season, and I'm really digging it. I mean, I like a good western, and it's been a while I think since yeah. I've like sat down and watched one. So, mm-hmm. no, I'm having mm-hmm. a good time with that. And then we just started, only seen the first episode of Severance on Apple. Severance. I mean, okay, so this is, uh, it's Adam Scott. And the premise is all the characters go under this procedure, like voluntarily, where okay. when they're at work, they have no memories of their personal life. And when they're in their personal life, they have no memories of what happens during the day. Ooh, that's cool. It is cool. And like when they're on the outside, things seem pretty normal, but they don't know anything about what they're doing. When they're right. in when they're in work, it's all a very like 1960s vibe of technology and you don't really know what they're doing, but you mm-hmm. definitely get the impression that it's not good. And what's really interesting about it is the side of him that's at work, that's his mm-hmm. only experience. So there's all this whole like moral question of aren't you kind of like enslaving half of yourself by like because from their perspective right they go to work they finish the day they start again instantly you know so oh, I don't yeah oh oh I didn't even think about it like that right. that like he kind of like switches off and then switches back on right but he's also it's like living a double life without yeah. knowing exactly. what's going on on the other exactly. half rather so than he, actually just living so he's life. really kind of like two people and doesn't have any like communication or connection with the other half so i don't know where it's gonna go but i'm definitely in for and it you just saw the first episode just, i wonder if yeah. like his persona or his like attitude is gonna be different right like yeah you know, at home, he's like a raging alcoholic, and yeah. <laughs> he goes to work, and he's like suit and tie professional dude. Yeah, you do, has no idea. You do get a little glimpse of the of the difference there, but yeah, that's uh, I'm I'm really interested in that. I'm I feel like Apple is kind of my favorite streaming service still. Mm-hmm. Most of the things they're putting out, I'm really interested in and liking. So that's yeah. that's been good. That has been good. Yeah, I went back to Apple because of the. Uh, um, Oh, I can't remember which long way. There's long way around, long way down, long way up. The Ewan McGregor and Charlie oh, Borman, yes. their motorcycle okay. trip. Yep, like, I know what you mean. <laughs> I came back to, uh, well, I not came back. I, you know, for the first time, signed up for Apple TV because of that. I yeah. got the iPhone, and I got like three months for free. Okay, yeah, I was right. like, oh, mm-hmm. I like this show. So I was just like, you know, and I, I intended, I fully intended to watch C, which I still haven't seen yet. Oh, right, Jason Momoa. 
That's yeah. another one Malik's been talking about. See, uh, I guess okay. oh, we need maybe to get Malik you... and I need to I know, like apparently. I need to Okay, if he likes yeah. Raised by Wolves, I'm probably going to like Okay, see. okay. So so long way up is there <clears throat> they they did a trip around the world, so long okay. way around. Then I did one from like John O'Groats, Scotland all the way down to Cape Town. So they did the, you know those continents. <clears throat> and now they did one from the bottom of like Chile or Argentina going all the way up to LA, which I thought was kind of weak because they should have just gone all the way up to like Alaska or Anchorage uh, yeah, or something. That that cool. been, but that would have been better. But um, <clears throat> yeah, to end in LA, it's like, I just ended in my garage. Yeah. Show's over. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, they did that and they did it on like electric Harleys. So like the first two episodes was them like not being able to charge their motorcycles. <laughs> so they had this diesel, <laughs> they, had this, they had this gasoline truck driving behind them with a diesel generator on it to <laughs> charge their motorcycle. <laughs> this is the most embarrassing show That's ever. That's hilarious. <laughs> They're just not like... I. You yeah. know, I've never seen that and I've always been interested in it, so maybe I need to just do it. You should watch the first one. It was really, really good. It okay. was, it, it, it's it, it's um something that like I didn't find... Something I didn't know about. In the first show, they stop in Mongolia and they, they're at this like... Um, orphanage in the middle okay. of nowhere this is an orphanage i was like there's no town how are their kids and apparently after the show charlie borman his co-host goes back and adopts one of the kids and then in this show you he gets to, like along the way they get to stop and see them like somewhere okay. and it's like a really emotional episode wow. of like you know i'm sitting there i'm like oh my gosh <laughs> this, is, like, this is really moving about like him going on this random motorcycle trip and adopting a daughter and how it changed his life and like if he had you know because they talked about like we were so beaten down we were so tired and we almost said screw this part of the trip we're not gonna do it and this and that and he's like i would have missed out on meeting my daughter yeah and it was you know to me as like a dad i was like oh man <gasps> you know like i'm i'm getting choked up about yeah. this just because it's so crazy you know like i had a preemie baby yeah and like there was so many times where it was just like she could die yeah you know? she could die so it was just like to that me was, i got that i got that was that such aspect. a long journey for you guys man oh my gosh it took forever yeah, yeah. Was, i had to i had to leave my job i worked yeah. on a drill ship in the gulf of mexico like i had 28 days rotations on my schedule so I was like i can't leave my wife for 28 days yeah. she's gonna have surgery next week right. and she can't do anything right and my my two-year-old at the time couldn't do anything and so like yeah it was just i just yeah it was just all imploded Jeez. It was a, that was an implosion Rough so stuff. But yeah, like we, we got out of it and it's just like bizarre, like just how in a blink of an eye, a decision or what, you know, this or that can completely change your life. For you sure. Know? For sure. So that was very, very moving show, even though the, the concept of the show I just laughed at because yeah. it was really, they yeah. had to install all, like before the trip, they had to install all the charging stations along the way. And so oh, I was that's like, funny. So your trip is to prove that it can be done. But it couldn't be done until you actually did the but trip. Now, but now it can. Now it can. <laughs> now it can, yeah. So, so anybody so, who follows can that was do so it. so funny. Yeah, that is kind of funny. But, All right. Oh, great. I mean, there's some great shows out there. I mean, yeah. I know this is a book show, a book podcast, but we just talked for probably 20 minutes about it. No, hey, our, uh, our video streaming service and our DVDs are still some of the most popular things in the library. So, you know. Yeah. Any and all, let's bring it on. Uh, let's move into some book news, though, as we look forward mm, here. Yeah. Look into the future to see what it proves. It's time for book news. 
So I'm going to pull an article here from IGN. This is called The Biggest Fantasy and Sci-Fi Books of February 2022. The author is Chris Reed. I'm going to look at some of the big sci-fi fantasy books that came out earlier this month. So the first on the list is Age of Ash, the Kithimer Trilogy, Book 1. Alice is a petty thief whose life begins to spiral when her brother is killed. She sets off on a mission to find the killer, but along the way discovers more than she bargained for. Hmm. Ooh. It's always going to be intriguing. More. There's always, always going to be more. There really is more. <laughs> this one oh. is Dead Silence. By, oh, sorry, the first one, the author was Daniel Abraham. The second oh, okay. one here, Dead Silence by S.A. Barnes. Uh, and the author here says, if you like a story that mixes horror with sci-fi, this one's for you. So our friend Sally, the Queen of Halloween, this yes. might be. A distress signal in outer space lures Claire Kovalik and her crew to what remains of a luxurious space liner that went missing two decades earlier. As they explore the ship, they find the horrors that put an end to its maiden voyage haven't quite ended. I like the sound of that. Hmm. I like the sound that of is, that. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. That sounds good. <laughs> that sounds good. Don Shard from the Stormlight Archive. This is a Brandon Sanderson book. Do you read Brandon Sanderson? I don't. I, I, I am terrible with names. Brandon if Sanderson, I saw Brandon Sanderson's face, I'd know. <laughs> he, Brandon Sanderson finished the Wheel of Time series with Robert Jordan, and he's got his Mistborn trilogy. Pretty epic. Uh, the I heard of the Wheel of Time. Right? Okay, that, that's that show. There's a show based on uh, based on the book series. Yeah, right? there is on, uh, yeah. Amazon right now. Yeah, okay. and he kind of took over when when Robert Jordan, the author, passed away. But pretty big name. Oh in, no way! Yeah, pretty oh, big name in fantasy here. But I'm not a big fantasy reader, so I can't tell you much about it. I'm a big fantasy reader. I well, here you go, Brandon Sanderson. All right, for here you. we go. Okay, bring it on. Uh, let's see. So this is set in the Stormlight Archive universe, and it focuses on Ryzen Fatori, whose pet Larkin is sick. The only cure is on the island of Akana. Unfortunately, a deadly storm has parked over the island, making the journey there perilous. Look out. Hmm. Uh, that didn't really... No, no, I agree. Yeah. Mickey Seven <laughs> by Edward Ashton. Every time Mickey Seven dies, his body's regenerated in this new version that retains most of his memories. This makes him a valuable employee on a colonizing mission to a dangerous ice world. But after he goes missing and is presumed dead, he returns to base to find Mickey Eight, a new version of himself waiting. The rest Ooh. of the crew, yeah, the rest of the crew wouldn't accept two Mickeys, so now he has to keep his clone a secret, all while the mission is becoming increasingly hostile. Wow. That sounds good. That's uh that's like you know what that is? That that the, the the premise of that book, the core of it, they could just make it Star Trek. And it that's could be true. That's it could true. be uh what what was his name? Uh uh um <laughs> what was the what were the guys that were in charge of the Jem'Hadar? What was his name? Oh jeez. That's you're talking uh, Deep Space Nine now, I can't help you. Yeah, I, I'm talking Deep Space Nine. Wayun. It is it Wayun? Wayun, it's Wayun, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Oh, that would be great. I mean, what? that's a great... Somebody missed out. Yeah, Some I agree. Star Trek well, author well, just missed the ball. They did, but there's already talk of making this into a movie. So Really? Yeah, so maybe we'll This intrigues it. me. I, I'd read this. Yeah, this I know. This sounds cool. I feel the same way. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, here's a Star Wars one for you, Steve, but it's The High oh. Republic, which I have I... tried three or four times now with the, with the New Republic, or The High Republic, yes. and it just... It just it's like getting not... into a chocolate like cream cup i just don't just like it not, yeah Dan, this is by Dan, uh, midnight horizon by daniel jose older several hundred years before the phantom menace uh during a time when jedi were plentiful and helped keep peace throughout the galaxy the book catches up with padawan's wreath and ram as they go undercover to stop an attack on one of the more posh planets in the galactic core eh. mm. yeah 
Moonwitch Spider King. This is book two of the Dark Star Trilogy mm. by Marlon James. Uh, let's see. This book followed a hunter named Tracker on a quest to find a missing boy. The sequel zeroes in on the Moon Witch, who has her own side of the story regarding the boy's disappearance. We're going to be talking about a Moon Witch in, in Shadows of Endor a little we bit later. Sure are. Yeah. Uh, Bluebird. Wait, so the yeah, hunter sorry. is named Tracker? The book followed a hunter named Tracker. Yeah, that's that's a little... <laughs> It's a little confusing. <laughs> they didn't. Say, they must never have said it yeah, out loud. Right, I know. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah. So there's a, and it is pal Tracker who's right. the hunter in the story. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Bluebird. So a uh, space pairing adventure about a gunfighter named Rig who goes on a mission to save her sister, but that's no easy task as she gets caught up in a battle for control of the galaxy. Whoa. Yep. Oh, the last one here is a little spicy. The Book of the Most Precious Substance. This is a fantastical erotic thriller. Hmm. The Book of the Most Precious Substance (laughs) follows a rare book dealer, Lily Albrecht, as she embarks on the globe-trotting quest to find the titular tome. Does the book really exist? Will Lily find it? What will she do if she does? A lot of buzz, apparently, for this book. Yeah. So, which there's a couple here on the list that I can I would pick up. Uh, what 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 were the standouts for you? That clone one. Okay, that, that's that's, that's Mickey like, Seven by Edward yeah, Ashton. That's like a. I mean, what what would you do if you came back to the ship and you saw another version of you? I, I mean, because I, I wonder if he knows. Right. It, it said that like if he dies, he gets most of his memories back. So would you would you assume that most of his memories they would probably leave out how he died? Yeah, probably. So that he could just continue. Yeah. Right. So he wouldn't know. You would leave that out so he wouldn't know that yeah. he's a clone, because then that would that would ruin everything, right? Yeah. So now all of a sudden he gets back and then he realizes, wait a minute, there's a clone, and it's this whole, wait a minute, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not no, all these I, memories are my memories. You I know? agree. So, it was I for me. Cool. For me, it was that one and and Dead Silence by S. A. Barnes, where they're yeah, going to Silence. find. Yeah, I love any sort of like castaway story, you know. Yes, which is how I got so badly burned by Lost. Didn't we all? Oh my gosh, that was I, that was still through college. I remember like yeah. the entire South Hall, watching yep. it in the 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 the, the oh yeah whatever that yeah, the room, like the, room uh, the, yeah. the, the lounge or whatever mm-hmm. you know like <laughs> like seventy eight dudes in the tiny room yep. watching Lost. Yep. Oh yep. man, what a disappointment. I know. I agree. I agree. Uh, all right. Well, shall we get into our author spotlight? Yeah. Let's go. All right, so today we're going to be looking at author and illustrator Zach Giolongo. We're going to be talking primarily about his graphic novel, Star Wars Ewoks, The Shadows of Endor. But I wanted to talk a little bit about some of his other works, because actually Endor was the most recent thing I've read by him. I read uh, his Hmm. graphic novel, Broxo, first. Hmm. So Broxo is, he. so he wrote and illustrated it, and it's kind of a... It feels to me like there were plans for this beyond like a, a volume right. one. And so it sort of suffers, I think, from a lot of it is set up and going on, but it sets up this really intriguing world. And, you know, it it, it relies on some some fantasy archetypes and things, but the illustrations are just really cool. I see a lot of similarities in the Ewok books, but the illustrations are good. They do a good job of telling the story and this fantasy world that he's created in it mm. is just... It's interesting. I mean, there are familiar aspects of it, but I think like the core plot um, 
is really kind of ripe for potential. I if right. if there were a books two, three, four, you know, whatever, I would have read them because I got to the end mm. and was like, yeah, let's keep going, and then realized this is the only one that ever came out. Yeah, you know, that's, that's got to be really hard as a writer to kind of yeah. Do I finish this story? And if I do, and everyone yeah. likes it, they're going to expect more. But I kind of finished the story. Yeah, <laughs> right. Know? Right. Oh man. So, I, he's done a lot of illustrating work too. So he okay. he did, uh, did. you ever watch Adventure Time? Were you an Adventure Time fan? I, I wasn't. I've seen it everywhere though. I know the it's guy huge. with the backpack and sword yeah. and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So he's done a lot of work on the Adventure Time comics. He illustrated okay. the the Tricky Rabbit Tales. Uh, and the ones that I've read are ones called the Stratford Zoo Midnight Review. And th- these hmm. are so weird. They are, <laughs> and he doesn't write them, he just illustrates them. But they are about, they're set in a zoo, and at night the zoo animals put on Shakespeare plays. So it's like a graphic novel of, I think I read Macbeth and Romeo and Juliet. And it's just like zoo animals acting these things out. Really? And like. And again, the illustrations are great. Like the colors are really vibrant. The animals are really like expressive and cool. But like you finish it and you're like, what was that for? Like what? <laughs> Who? Like are children clamoring for like, we need more Macbeth. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's, it's like, like on yeah. the shelf here, I have the, the Shakespeare version, the Shakespeare version of a new hope empire strikes back yeah by, Jedi. By, by ian dosher yeah, yeah. and some somebody somebody I don't, maybe it was you told me that you read one of them and i thought i did yeah I, I, why did you do that? <laughs> you know like, i i never I, I have them they're just for display for yeah me. i'm not gonna read that yeah like, yeah yeah it's gonna, well it's gonna you know drive me nuts i was at uh the american library association conference a few years ago and he was one of the guest panelists and so i, he- I heard him give a big talk about them and he was in the mm-hmm. process of adapting back to the future and mean girls and so he was just like talking oh. i know so he was just talking about all those things and so afterwards i chatted with him a little bit and like i got him to sign one and stuff and and so then i was like oh i gotta read one of these things and you know it's just like you say like it's the concept is cool but it just didn't i think i think my mistake too is we read a new hope and that's probably the least shakespearean one there is you know what i mean like i think if you would have done like if you would have read revenge of the sith or the return of the jedi probably would have been good a new hope just didn't really suit itself to that and the biggest problem is the gimmick just gets old i think yeah because you're reading i mean just like it's like reading a play yeah. You know, a, a play script, right? It's just, you know, I have like, the, I do have the Return of the Jedi script behind me as well. And like reading it, it's just, ugh, it's flat, yeah. right? But like, if I start reading it with the voices, oh, that's fun. Yeah. So like, it, I wonder how much effort it would take, because I know you've done stuff like this before, but adapting the books into a play. Like an actual state. stage, like yeah. An actual stage performance. And I think that would be really really fun like because what kind of sparked it in my head is the mean girls one like how yeah. funny would it be yeah. like you know that was star you know jack and ape and then the other yeah. one's like thou art a lady of the night you know like yeah. you know like just like tramp of the night you know like just funny like yeah. it would just be hilarious them arguing well, and, they're and very... insulting each other 
I mean, this is not our topic for today, and we've talked no, about it not. so much. But <laughs> they are fun to, to flip through and look at, and they're really thorough. I mean, there's stage directions and really? everything in them. Oh, they are? Oh, yeah. okay, I didn't know that. And actually, I listen to, because we, we have, uh, for, with your library card, you can get access to Libby, which is where you can listen to audiobooks or to read ebooks or whatever. And mm. we had one of them. We had one of them as an audiobook with a full cast. Oh, <gasps> Yeah. And I have so, to find that. Yeah, we use you might, our library uses Hoopla. Yeah, that Hoopla probably have it. A, okay. Hoopla probably have it. Yeah. Oh man, I need to find that. It was That's... more fun that way. <laughs> but anyway, so Zach Gialongo, I mean, I, I would say when you look at his professional resume, I'd say he's primarily an illustrator. But mm-hmm. I was impressed with the writing in Broxo. I was impressed with the writing in uh, Star Wars: Shadows of Endor. Uh, so there's one more that I want to mention. He does a couple of. They're sort of like interactive doodle books and he has like a ducktales doodles and he has one called star Hmm. star wars doodles it's not really a story it's more like drawing prompts so it'll kind of give you some examples or give you some guidance on how to draw and i just think they'd be really good for kids who are just learning or have an interest in it because it's fun it's characters you know and i think his style is just so bright and expressive and there's a there's a cuteness to it you know the faces and things that's a great Uh, idea i like that so steve why don't we dive into it Let's go. Let's go into the uber-detailed plot of Star Wars Ewoks Shadow of Endor. Once again, it is revealed just how savage the forest moon of Endor can be when Wicket and the gang stumble upon a wounded Duloc who claims the Skull Ones destroyed his camp and imprisoned his people and by doing so awakened the Gryag. I don't know how to say this. We don't have an audio. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it, it worked for me, too. That's just how I read it. Chief Chirpa doesn't believe the scrawny Duloc, but that night, Nisa, with the help of Wicket, released the Duloc on the condition he proves to them he isn't lying by leading them to see the Skull Ones. Yes. Meanwhile, Logre and Paplu travel to seek counsel from Cheryl, a well-known witch of Dathomir. Nice. After lending some advice, Cheryl attempts to steal the Sunstar from Logre, nearly, nearly succeeding, but fails thanks to Paplu. This proves the Ewoks are alone in fighting enemies on three fronts. A witch, the Skull Ones, and the Griag. Wicket, Nisa, and the Duloc, now with the help of Tebow and Latara, stumble upon the Skull Ones, who happen to be none other than Stormtroopers. And that didn't occur to me until now that they do kind of look like skulls. They do, I know. Yeah, I didn't get it either. So the Empire is already in the midst of constructing the shield generator for the second Death Star and are clearing away additional forest. The group makes plans to free the imprisoned Dulocs while Nisa plans to free Zrani, a Wisty the injured Duloc uses as a light source in his cave hideout. Freeing the Wisty causes a fight to break out between the Ewoks and the Duloc. The noise they make awakens the Griog and it attacks them, causing them to flee out of the cave and into the forest. Meanwhile, on their way back to the village, Logre and Paplu run into a group of stormtroopers transporting a group of chained Dulocs. Before anyone can blink, Wicket and the gang spring out and attack the troopers. They manage to release the prisoners, but the tiny battle grows fierce when the mighty Griog emerges from the ground, attacking all in its path. The Griag is no match for the Ewoks, Troopers, and Dulocs to manage, but all is not lost when Logre, with the help of Zrani, uses the Sunstar to vaporize the Griag. 
Back at the village, Tebow is commended for his bravery in battle and is given the Horn of, of the Soul Trees and is named a Warrior of the Tribe. Chief Chirpa acknowledges that even though the Sunstar is gone and the invaders still loom, they do have each other and trust that the Golden One will answer their prayers. Eight months later, Wicket, escaping some Skull Ones in the woods, stumbles upon and pokes with his spear a very unsuspecting character. Mm -hmm. The end. I like that little epilogue there. Yeah. Well, for one, we're always trying to figure out where the Ewoks come like fall into the star wars timeline yeah. this graphic novel is making a case that all was prelude to return of the jedi so that's yeah. kind of interesting yeah i feel like just as a graphic novel it's pretty successful i mean i think yeah i think it's confusing a little bit if you only know the ewoks from return of the jedi but i think yes. even i think even with that though if you're reading these characters for the first time i think there's enough context here to just kind of accept okay so these are their names and this is what they do. You know, I think it's pretty successful for what, yeah. it's, what it's going for. Well, I, I thought it would be a little bit weird if you're reading it for the first time and you were just a Return of the Jedi that there's a humanoid witch in it, right? Like the, the Ewoks That's go true. see a humanoid witch. But I can't say that Cheryl sticks out right. because she really doesn't. No, it's you know? true. You know? Now, here's, what, here's what, I'm, what I'm wondering, too. I don't think in Battle for Endor, which is the second of the Ewok movies, uh, I don't mm -hmm. think that she's ever specifically said to be a night sister from Dathomir, is she? No, that is in... I, that, I had to look that up. Yeah. Right. He called her a witch a bunch of times, which yeah. made me like, oh, I wonder. And I think I just looked up her character to see yeah. if she was in anything else, and that's when I, it was revealed to me. I was like, oh, she's well, yeah, a witch of Dathomir, that's, no so way. So that's, that's another thing that the graphic novel yeah. does then. It also kind of serves mm -hmm. to tie into like the greater Star Wars lore of like the books and comics to say... Oh, it absolutely does. To say yeah. this character that you've seen, if you've seen Battle for Endor, uh, also is connected to other characters such as Darth Maul from, you know, Phantom yeah. Menace and things, Darth Maul from Dathomir and all that. So it, uh, I'm, I'm very impressed by the way uh, Zach Gialongo was able to take mm -hmm. all of these different, not only just the different representations of the Ewoks, but cherry pick these little things from the greater like Star Wars expanded <laughs> universe yeah. that they can tuck in here. So this is the key. This is the key book that combines all of those universes, right? The TV the TV movies, the Ewoks show, yeah. and the Star Wars saga, this is the key that brings it all together. Right. And and it's and, and that's that's the most important thing. I, I mean, he's the one who did it. He bridged it. He bridged it I all, know. you know. So We're sitting funny. here going, I wonder where it, where it goes or who what character fits in where and it's like here it is. Yeah. I mean, even the the the, the book, the courtship, the courtship of Princess Leia that happens after you know, Return of the Jedi a few years, there's Witches of Dathomir. So yeah. here's technically the their first encounter or our first encounter with a witch. At, well, I guess there's the prequel stuff. Yeah. But like, you know, here's, I guess, again, another encounter with a Witch of Dathomir in a different place on a yeah. different planet. So well, it's just, he tied everything in so well. I know. And that's the thing with Star Wars publishing. I mean, they are... Mm -hmm. They are so good at maintaining continuity. And, you know, some some of that, which we would have counted before, kind of went out the window with the Disney merger. But, yeah, you know, everything before that and everything after that, I feel like those two separate, like, versions of Star Wars uh, literature really are consistent internally with themselves. Yeah. And, you know, you take things like, um, you know, Alan Dean Foster's Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which was written before there was even an Empire Strikes Back. 
doesn't really gel with what's going on, but then subsequent books kind of bring it back in line. And I just think that's so cool. Yeah. And this is something that Zach Gialongo here has done with Sh- Shadows of Endor, where he's just taken all these like disparate little scraps of Star Wars and given them sort of a cohesion. Yeah, this was great. I yeah. wish it was longer. I wish it was twice as long yeah. to really, you know, kind of set yeah, the tone. I could take more. And I think the art in it is really good. Oh, yeah. You know, it's I great. Just, I, I like because it, it again, it pulls some aesthetics from all three of the different things. You know, the TV mm-hmm. movies, Return of the Jedi and the cartoon. I would say, you know, if you haven't seen the cartoon or the TV movies, they are all streaming on Disney Plus and some are available on DVD out there. It's interesting to note that I feel like this was maybe a little bit darker. I mean, a Dulag gets his arm chopped off, for heaven's sakes, and like yeah. there is some blood, and some of the fighting is definitely more severe than anything we've seen in the cartoon. Uh, though definitely death happens in uh, in the TV movies, but I thought it was kind of a darker tone. But you kind of needed that to bring it in line. I I think so. I, I think the the scene too with with uh, low gray Paplu and Cheryl was pretty was pretty dark. It was that was pretty like yeah. ooh. She's like she's like it was a moment where she was like possessed by the sun st- by the power of the sun star. So yeah, she it was like like in Lord of the Rings when. Uh, what's his name touches the ring and you know mm-hmm. he kind of like has a little taste of power there from him it's, that's what Cheryl does and it's like that's pretty dark yeah you know like she's straight up possessed yeah. and is like Whoa! and then tries to take it from them so yeah you know they go to it for for advice and then all of a sudden it just backfires it's yeah right exactly and that which is which is again that's kind of a fantasy trope as well and that's kind of cool to to yeah. have that aspect in there like looking for help when you know when the empire essentially what stirs everything up is the empire showing up and setting up their base on endor as we see in return of the jedi and because of that you have dulocks working with ewoks and you have ewoks going to night sisters and it just throws off the whole balance of this little forest moon you know yeah and i i just i think that's a cool lens in do you think this would be too confusing for somebody to just pick up as a if they're only familiar with the movies I don't think it would be too confusing because they do a good job of setting the tone for the events in Return of the Jedi. You wouldn't know who the Dulocs are. Right. You wouldn't know who Cheryl is. But I think that's it. But I know? think you pretty much understand. Okay, the Dulocs. Well, you understand. The Dulocs are the antagonists, and and Cheryl is sort of like the, the witch character. That's that's nothing. Yes. Though. Yeah. The Dulocs. Latara says it one time, like. You know, we don't like you, but no one should be held in chains or right. something like that. So there's an aspect of like, yeah, we don't really like you, but I'm going to help your people right. because no one should be treated like that. Right. Which and, makes sense. And we know from the cartoon that that Nisa is Chief Chirpa's daughter and Chief Chirpa's mm-hmm. the leader of the Ewoks. And that all sort of comes out in the dialogue here. You know, yeah, there's one point where they're going off to find what's going on and she's like well i'm the princess so you have to do what i say and that just kind of establishes what her role is yes um uh, yeah i think it i think it somehow manages to be true to all the different versions of ewoks and i think that's super cool oh yeah it was really fun to read and i haven't read a graphic novel in a long time Mm -hmm. and this one made me want more not just graphic novels in general, but I was like, I want more of this story and okay. in this style yeah. and this writer. Yeah. And like, it is, it just, it's really, the, the art really does a lot for it. It's great. Yeah, 
It's very good. Yep. Very, very good. So again, the author and illustrator on this and the other books is Zach Gialongo. You can find more about him at www.zachgialongo.com. And of course, we have Shadows of Endor right here in our collection. So if you want to stop at the library and check it out, we can also get you Broxo and some of his other books too, available mm. through the library system. Easy as pie. And if this wasn't enough Ewok talk for you, you can join Steve and I on This Endorian Life from the Radio Meanwhile Network every other week. So if there's not a new house things, there's a new This Endorian Life, and you can find it uh, on Podbean or anywhere you get your podcasts. It's Next, always entertaining. I, I guarantee it. At least yeah. for us. At least for oh, us. That's true. Right? Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, next time on House Things, Allie's going to be back, and she and I are going to be talking about all things cat-related because we got mm. a library cat now here at the David A. Howe Public Library. Exciting. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. He's, uh, he's making our lives very interesting. So he may show up. <laughs> we may be able to get him to meow in the microphone, but no promises. No oh, promises. that's great. Yep. All right. Well, Steve, thanks for podcasting with me. Always good to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This was All fun. Right. We'll see you next time, everybody. 